and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, coming to you from the friendly confines of my mom's basement. No PFF studio here. I'm going to California tomorrow. I'm pumped. Can't wait. Enough of that big podcast. You heard me advertising it on the Wednesday edition with myself and Dre McFarland. But people, I've said this guy's name on this podcast no less than 100, no fewer, excuse me, than 100 times this freaking summer. Why? Because he is great at his job and I am a fanboy of him. Doctor of physical therapy, orthopedic residency grad, injury analyst at Fantasy Points. Love everyone that has to do with that great company. Injury prone fantasy football pod. None other than Dr. Edwin Porras. You probably know him on Twitter at FB injury doc. God, Edwin, man. You are now a repeat. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's right. How you doing? No, I appreciate it, man. You, you're bringing the energy tonight. You're bringing the Pinot Noir. I didn't know that you were, uh, we were talking before we hit record that, that you're a wine guy. That was the last thing I expected. I didn't know that's what you actually meant when you were saying sheesh, but no, it's good to be back, man. And I appreciate you having me back. Um, first of all, I have to ask you where in California are you going to give me a region North or South? Santa Clara, I think I'm going, oh, going? Ooh, I'm going to my, my girlfriend's cousin's gay Jewish wedding and I am ecstatic. Okay. Well, that is exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say I'm in Northern California, so I was going to say oh. we should meet up, but that's the, the difference between Northern California and Southern California is like literally like eight hours. So it'd be impossible, but no, man, I'm glad to be back on the show. I'm excited to talk. I was joking with you on Twitter when you <laughs> had a mailbag episode and I said, why do you always reference my work, but never have me on? Um, but no, I, I, I'm glad to be on, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to knock some injuries out. It's funny. Edwin was uh, kind enough to be the league manager for a fun uh, fantasy football league we got going on. Injury prone, invitational, uh, a lot of good analysts from around the injury. And I have just been atrocious at getting my picks in on time in that league. So if any of our league members are out there, I'm sorry. With that said, Edwin, Ray was giving me so much shit. And then he timed out the next day. <laughs> he has a longer total pick time. Is than he me, still out? So. Is he still is he still out right now? I just mean if you scroll down the bottom, you can see how long everyone has been on the call. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, am yeah. bottom three, but I am oh, not I'll call as, him out, don't worry. as Ray. So Ray, if you're listening, man, I get it. I'm not great. But look in the mirror, man. We both got to get <laughs> our average times down. Enough of that, though, Edwin. We brought you on here because fantasy football Twitter loves to talk injuries, even though we have no freaking idea what we're talking about half the time. So, yes, I reference your work all the time because you are an actual freaking doctor of physical therapy. So, with that said, let's get things going because I think my, my favorite shtick that you have, it's not even a shtick, it's like a fact, but you've been vocal about the idea that someone being injury prone is largely a myth. With that said, though, I know you have identified some guys. When I talked to you last year about James Conner, you just said even if he's not fully injury prone, we could expect him to maybe just more compared to the average person experience injuries uh, more often. You get the point. Talk about your process for defining basically what constitutes someone being injury prone and who might qualify. No, yes, it's, it's a great way to put it. And I, you, I think it was actually you who said it at one point. You worded it better than I ever have. What I. The, the thesis and the crux of everything based on the research and the data is that we are less good at predicting injuries than we think we are. And that's like the perfect way to word it. Like, yes, there's a scale. Yes, some dudes have a history. And you can typically identify those dudes on a scale. But like the perfect example is I did a thread on Trey Sermon, right? And Trey Sermon has really high grade. Uh, Ethan Turner does. He's another physical therapist. He does a really good score for prospects coming in. 
And he basically calculates, tabulates the relevant injuries in their past and whether they'll carry over to the NFL, because we know that the number one predictor for pre future missed time is previous missed time. So I think it's like three games. If, if an NFL prospect misses three games or less, they're going to be relatively per season. They're going to be relatively healthy in the NFL, wow. right? So we look at somebody like Trey Sermon and we would anticipate, oh, dude, dude might have some connective tissue injuries. So his score is really high. And I also had Trey Sermon towards the bottom. I do have him towards the bottom of my yellow light tiers on fantasypoints.com, right? So we're all sort of cautiously optimistic about Trey Sermon. Meanwhile, Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins, green light tiers, low injury scores, played through, you know, college college injuries, played through uh, an entire college gauntlet. And then what happens? They, they got hurt, right? Like, so we can't predict the most catastrophic type of injuries. We can't predict specific injuries like we think we can because it's all over the board. Like our best predictor is previous history. And that's not going to account for things like that happened to Travis Etienne and JK Dobbins. So basically we have to look at it from a case by case basis, how relative and how far on the spectrum is this player. And yeah, I think James Conner is a good example, um, which is why I've been super high on, on uh, Chase Edmonds. I know that his, his ADP is kind of meh, but I don't understand drafting James Conner. I talked about that on my own podcast last night, but that's the thesis of what you're saying. We're we're not as good as predicting injury as we think we are, but we can at least give it a crack and a shot, but we got to use the right resources and the right data. Yeah, and I guess my, like injuries obviously matter, just like defenses and offensive line, these other things, but I find people holding these factors, specifically injuries, which is what we're talking about, against some players and not others with seemingly no rhyme or reason. It's almost like the same thing as the whole vaccinations, vaccination stuff. Like if we had a perfect list of every single NFL player and their vac status and stuff, like, yeah, okay, we could probably work that into our projections a little bit more. We don't, just like we don't have the ability to predict injuries as well as we wish we could, which is why we can get a lot of value for these guys when they're falling down. So one of the things uh, Dwayne McFarlane and I did a, a lot mock draft it wasn't a mock draft it was a ffpc draft on this podcast for tuesday and he was talking about he loves to get some of the short-term injury discounts guys like irv smith and like that we see their adp you know stabilize over a couple of days but sometimes in those first 24 hours man i feel like the community as a whole like we're just conditioned to assume the worst at this point yeah and you you are conditioned to assume the worst i think the best the best example is like Dak, like when Adam Schefter put out that Dak might not be hundred percent for the season. That was a Shefty take, man. Yeah. Nobody even paid attention. Like, yeah, he has different sources and he's informed differently than all of us, but that was a take that had nothing to do with any based in any objective reality. Like the next day, right. Stefania Bell and Tom Pellicero both tweeted out like Dak's MRI came back clean. He's doing fine. He's doing great. The ankle shouldn't have been an issue, you know, since like, I think May, May or, or June, because that's like a seven or eight month return time anyway. Uh, the shoulder was healing fine. But yeah, we're conditioned to, to, to assume the worst. And sometimes it is the worst, right? But I think that we need to look at it from like a perspective of what is the injury and how, what is the severity. And a lot of times they don't always add up. Like you're, and we're going to talk about this player in a little bit, but like I remember one time you tweeted about Mike Williams and how it looked like every catch he makes. He's like the undertaker, like an invisible undertaker is like <laughs> choke slamming him into the ground. And like, that looks bad. Right. But the dude gets up like most times, like nine times out of 10. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think we're conditioned to assume the worst. That's not always the case. And another thing I was thinking about this earlier today, actually with, with guys like Michael Thomas, right. I was looking at just NFPC ADP and Michael Thomas just last week 
his ADP was still 76 overall, which I thought was really high. Couldn't be right. <laughs> but now that he's going to be on the pup, I'm sure that'll plummet till below. Like, I don't know. I'm maybe not 150, but like, it's going to be in the hundreds. Yeah. Right. So like fantasy managers are conditioned to take big swings, left big swings, right. And then the advantage is right there in the middle, right in that sweet spot. And, you know, one of the points I really try to just hang my hat on is difference between someone being injury prone, which as we've talked about, like, isn't really even a thing and someone already being injured. Like if we're talking about a guy like Michael Thomas that now has to come back from this injury and stuff, I'm fine putting more stock into that. Just get your baseless. Every time I tweet about Joe Mixon, tell me it'll be a fun two weeks. Get that out of here, people. You've heard it from a doctor himself. But Edwin, we got a lot of players to talk about here. I want to go into Baltimore because Mark Andrews is someone that, you know, when I looked at him earlier in the offseason, I was like, all right, great tight end, sure, but they brought a lot of new receivers in this offense. How many targets is he going to get? Well, all those guys are pretty much banged up at the moment. We got Rashad Bateman, seemingly the most serious injury with that groin issue. Marquise Brown, hamstring. I believe I saw he returned to practice today, so hopefully he's on the up and up. Miles Boykin also has a hamstring issue. Sammy Watkins has been sidelined at least a little bit seem to be more of a precaution. Do you have any feel on these guys and when they could be back in action? Because from my understanding right now, it seems like Watkins, Boykin, Hollywood, maybe not that severe. Bateman might be the one that we need to get your expertise on just a little bit more. Yeah. So Rashad Bateman is kind of an interesting case and we can start there. Um, The fact that he, Harbaugh makes things difficult to read constantly, but the fact that they went from, this is going to be weeks you know, this is going to be weeks, not months. Remember that comment uh, to all of a sudden he's getting surgery and he'll be back by September. But like, what does September mean? Right. September's tomorrow. Right. Isn't, isn't that tomorrow already? Um, it's like that uh, Colts five to 12 week timeline. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Like the coaches will say, that's the other thing. A part of injury analysis too, is that like coaches will say weird shit, but, and they're typically not being transparent. And then all of a sudden there are times where they'll like be honest with you. And we're just like super shocked about it. <laughs> but the thing about Bateman is he's got this groin issue. They had surgery. He was, he already got cleared to run routes. He's probably not cutting quite hard, not going hundred percent yet, but I mean, it's relatively common for, for players to come back and start doing activity really quickly, but they have to ramp up and be really, really slow with it. So with Rashad Bateman, I think I decided it's, Uh, essentially the closest that you're going to see him is going to be week two or three. I don't want to rule that out because that's definitely a possibility depending on how his progress is. Uh, That would mean that the surgeon went in there, saw that there wasn't as much damage as they had anticipated. It was a relatively straightforward procedure and they were able to clean it up and sew him back up. Now, if it's like a traditional sports hernia, if it was more severe than that, we do have NFL data on that. And that's typically going to be about a 60 day recovery total, which would put him at at week five or six. They didn't put him on the pup. So that's good news. So he's probably going to come back. Cause I think the deadline passed right. As of today. I'm not, I know a lot of guys got put on it. Cause I was looking at this for Irv Smith. I think they might still be able to by the end of today. I'm not positive on that. Okay. So as of today, he's not on the pup. So that would anti- that we we could probably anticipate him being back within the first five weeks of the season, um, but I I don't see like a if they as long as, as long as they bring him on slowly, there shouldn't be a massive recurrence rate. These actually heal really well. I just overall wonder about the Ravens wide receiver room and why they're all having these soft tissue injuries. It's not uncommon because you'll see a lot of players ha- that like Tyler Lockett had some. I know you're seeing Swift have some issues. Uh, these soft tissue injuries in the preseason are very common. But like for the whole receiver room, 
to go through that. I wonder what their strength and conditioning program looked like. And I wonder what the ramp up period looked like, but, um, yeah, definitely not now that you have seen that they have these injuries, all these dudes are slightly discounted. If it's like a very, very thin tiebreaker, because we know there's about a 70% recurrence rate in hamstring issues uh, within the calendar year. So if there's a little bit of a, of a, of a tiebreaker you need, you can definitely use that. Great points there. Bateman, someone that I, I was never quite on the train with everyone else. It just seemed like he was going at a really kind of optimistic ADP. But at this point, from what you're telling me, man, again, if we can get a little more, what I'm seeing on the pup list, by the way, I'm trying to look this up as well. I think they have until the start of the regular season. So they might have another oh, week okay. or so to go before that happens. But that's a great point because if we're looking at someone like Bateman with that wide range of outcomes, whether or not he goes on that pup list is going to give us a pretty good idea of the timetable, regardless of what Harbaugh is putting out there. So yeah, man, it's funny how, uh, you know, these lists and designations and stuff, they end up telling the truth a lot more than the coaches uh, in front of a bunch of reporters. Imagine that. So another guy that just hasn't been able to get healthy this offseason, man, Tariq Cohen knee issue tore his ACL early last year. Like I anticipated throughout the off season, like that he was going to be ready to go. Hasn't been the case, you know, whether or not David Montgomery gets the same huge role remains to be seen. Damian Williams is a bit more of a complete running back than my guy, but you know, I don't want to use the G word. I don't want to call him a gadget, but <laughs> Cordero Patterson maybe wasn't uh, quite as established as a true backup. Like Damian Williams was either way. Edwin, Cohen, do you have any feel on the situation like when he could be back? Because everything I see from training camp just seems to be like he's not even close at the moment. No, and I'm pretty sure he's one of the dudes that did get put on yeah. the pup list, right? So, yeah, that's going to be tough, man. So, what? and if you saw the quote from uh, from Chicago, it was actually really weird. They asked him, <laughs> the reporter was like really slick the way he asked the question. I think the reporter had an inkling that Cohen had a second surgery. And he said, can you tell us, coach, about the second surgery that, that Tariq had? And it caught him off guard. And he was like, second surgery, question mark. And the guy was like, yeah, the second surgery. And then like, he like got tricked into talking about the second surgery. Oh, and uh, it was, it was kind of painful to read, but essentially it seems like Tariq Cohen had some issues after the ACL. Uh, it might've been like a loose, a loose fragment of some sort. It might've, they might've planned to go back in. They might've been the plan to go back in, in the first place and maybe clean up some meniscus. We don't really know but we know that at the very least he's not going to be back until after week six. I'm not really banking on Tariq Cohen, Cohen moving forward, uh, especially, I mean, this year he's a fourth round pick. He's super athletic, obviously for his size, but he's nowhere. He's like sort of the antithesis of Saquon Barkley, who we'll talk about. Yeah. Like he's just a guy that he's fringy. Right. And I just don't know how, much he can really contribute once he comes back from this brutal injury. This sort of reminds me of like the Rashad Penny issue, but on a very sort of fast track. And that is the, I haven't seen the quite updated numbers in my last tweet in July about this topic, 10th highest paid running back in the NFL, Tariq Cohen, unfortunate uh, news going on there. Of course, we want the human joystick to be healthy. It's good news for Dave Montgomery and Damian Williams. It really is. Unfortunately, you know, we got to play this game in fantasy land. Don't want any of the guys to be hurt. But yeah, and even Darnell Mooney, man, I remember looking at some of his, uh, you know, rates and the screens he was seeing and targets uh, in the line of scrimmage. I think what the Bears might do, because Daz Newsom got waived their six-round pick, I think it might be Goodwin just playing the Taylor Gabriel, Ted Ginn, go run, go routes all day. We'll throw you the ball like twice roll. And then Allen Robinson and Mooney more or less rotating between the other outside spot in the slot. I'm sure uh, Mooney will be out there in two wide sets. But, you know, 
Tariq, he was so good as a rookie. And I think even his second year, maybe it was, his, it was a second or third year. He just had the atrocious efficiency. So hopefully he can get back to being that guy. He was as a rookie one day. It just doesn't seem like in 2021, Evan, we can be quick with this one. Cause I think you pretty much said it earlier uh, with the first question, Dak Prescott between the shoulder and the ankle, you're expecting him to be what pretty close to hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, he should, he should be, he should be hundred percent. I mean, it's not anything to really, to, to worry about. He he's fallen to the back end of the, of the first tier of quarterbacks. And like, if you're going to be one of those people who drafts that first tier of quarterbacks, then you'll be pretty happy for Dak Prescott to, to fall for me. I think there's going to be an issue where like, maybe he'll end up on the injury report like once or twice during the year, but he'll freak out, but it'll mean nothing. I really think that this is going to be fine. We're going to look back and, and sort of, it'll be one of those times where we talk about where, where Ian and Edwin sit on a podcast and joke about how much fantasy managers re- overreact to, to injuries. I think Dak's going to be fine. Awesome. Great news there. I think the issue has just been Jerry Jones. Like whenever he says anything, people just assume the opposite. Cause we had that, you know, Seahawks preseason game with Romo where Jerry's like, Oh, everything's fine. We've ruled out any extreme things next day. He's out eight weeks. Jerry's problem is he just doesn't stop running his mouth. Is that like, he just talks before I could do a whole podcast about Jerry Jones, man. He's what a, what an interesting cat. Oh man. Hey, keep enjoying that Johnny Walker, Jerry. I know you're out there somewhere listening. Evan Deandre Swift is someone that I look, He's, I haven't gotten hardly any of them in fantasy drafts. He's just outside those top 14 backs I'm taking. I'm easily drafting George Kittle or Darren Waller or a dope wide receiver instead of Swift. With that said, man, like you just talk about, and it was funny, like last preseason, carry on Johnson, like said this, he just said, Deandre Swift can move in ways that I can't. He's like the special athlete. It's like, well, bro, like, even if that's true, don't spell it out for your own coaches to uh, decide that anyway. If Swift doesn't have that, you know, that special like just ability to be himself, I do somewhat worry if he can meet ADP, potentially sharing a backfield with Jamal Williams. Dan Campbell, you know, made a lot of people nervous by saying that he's not sure if he'll be good to go by week one. How serious do you think this DeAndre Swift groin injury is? I, I really don't know, to be 100% honest with you, because <sighs> I, I like we talk about coaches, right? Like they're rarely telling you the truth. So if you if a coach says that a player is healthy, you can probably assume they might not be healthy. And if they're telling you that a player isn't healthy, you can especially probably assume <laughs> that they're te- not telling the truth about that. Like, just like the giants are slowly bring slowly. I'm doing quotation air quotes, slowly bringing Saquon Barkley out. He still has hurdles to pass. The dude is 10 months and a week outside of a surgery. And he's obviously running routes and, and, and he's pre- participating in practice. Like what hurdles are we even talking about? Like the rehab team discharged him. The strength and conditioning staff's in charge. Now there's, there's nothing medical going on here that, unless they're not telling us anyway, talking about Deandre Swift, Deandre Swift at this point, you, we need to take everything into context. I'll talk about the injury part in 2018. He had a, a groin surgery. He had what we what essentially amounts to what we think Rashad Bateman just had. It's not a big deal. It happens. Those groin surgeries, they, they tend to do pretty well. Then last year he had another groin issue. They called it a hip issue. Maybe it was a hip issue. Maybe it was a groin issue, but those often get sort of melded together. And then now he's having this groin issue at the beginning of practice. The reason this is different from something like what Tyler Lockett's going through is because this is chronic for Swift at this point. If a dude has a groin issue and he's had surgery for it, then it's something to keep an eye on. In addition to the groin that hasn't gone away, we also have to think about the fact that last year he had a concussion, right? And he missed two games, I think, two or that three games because of the concussion. One, man. Yeah. I remember like Adrian Peterson saying he wasn't even like acting like himself for a while. Yeah. Exactly. Like he couldn't clear the protocol for like three weeks. And that's scary. That's some scary shit, man. 
And on top of that, you look at the recurrence rate within the first calendar year. And I don't remember it off the top of my head, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen within the first year, if not two years. So that's on top of that, the volatility that you're talking about. Second, you also have to consider rational coaching. And this is something that like JJ Zacharyson talks about a lot. Like you have to assume that the, the coaching staff is rational and we can't necessarily assume that just because I think, or you think a player is durable and they can take a load like Austin Eckler, for example, uh, just because we think that doesn't mean the coaching staff thinks that. And just because the coaching staff, you know, doesn't think that, um, for example, Swift, if they, they can't, they don't think he can take a load, they're not going to give it to him. Well, they did go out and sign Jamal Williams, like pretty quickly. Like that's that same regime, right? Like, I don't, it wasn't the regime before. Like they signed, they signed Williams when Dan Campbell came in, Like they obviously want to use him. And Jamal Williams in his own right is a, a really good running back. Yeah. Like he's going to take some of that load for Deandre Swift. So on top, you take all of that, right? The groin, the chronic groin strain, the fact they're already managing his volume, the fact that Jamal Williams is there, the fact that he also has a concussion. I actually put DeAndre Swift on my injury discounts, like D-I-S-S counts. I don't, I, like his ADP is fine. Like it's meh. You know what I mean? Like I just, if I end up getting DeAndre Swift in like the third, I'm not excited about him. Like I'm not necessarily say that, I'm not going to say that he's going to get hurt or, or re-injure anything like that, but just given all of the, all of the risks surrounding him, I'm not excited to have him as like my RB1. Yeah, like I don't even know that I've moved him down more than like a spot or two because of this injury issue. It's just been everything else you mentioned. And now when you put the potential lingering groin issue on top of it, like, no, we want nothing to do with him when it's between Swift and these awesome wide receivers and tight ends that are usually available in round three. As we always say, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. Swift's just a little bit too high. Edwin, I had Saquon further down the list, but like we're going to end up talking about him every bullet otherwise. Main event. Let's go. Saquon Barkley injury. Please tell the people that even though some might say having 41.7% of your underdog drafts have Saquon Barkley in it, <laughs> even though I have an irresponsible amount of exposure to Saquon Barkley, tell the people why we should expect him to be out there near his full self in week one. Okay. So the first, the first thing that I want to address is that I'm not saying Saquon Barkley comes without risk. I think that's when people say that they think to themselves, when they see anything I'm saying, that's their immediate response. Oh, you're saying that he's going to be the same as, well, I'm not necessarily saying that, but what I'm saying is every comparison and every, and all the data, everything we're using to try to draw a comparison for Saquon Barkley is irrelevant. He's not anything like we've ever seen. Even if you want to compare him to Adrian Peterson, he's a, he's a hair more athletic than Adrian Peterson was, believe it or not. And on top of that, he's three years younger than Adrian Peterson was when Peterson broke or broke, geez, tore his ACL. Uh, so this is a totally unprecedented situation. So any comparison you want to draw to him isn't really fair. So from a soft tissue perspective, you can think about Dalvin Cook, right? That's the most recent example in everybody's brain. We don't know exactly why Dalvin cook had those hamstring strains. It could have been workloads. It could have been because they use a hamstring graft. We don't really know. We don't know why he had those uh, issues, but he did. Right. And that's possible. So if you're, if you're telling me that the floor for Barkley is missing five games, like Dalvin cook did, I can understand why you would shy away from that, but it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like we're not as good at predicting those soft tissue injuries as we think we are. So if you're going based off a floor of five missed games, specifically because of a soft tissue strain, then I'd like to walk you down to the corner convenience store and we're going to buy a lottery ticket together, right? <laughs> On top, that's even before you get into the ceiling that Saquon Barkley has, right? So there's this article that I'm constantly citing. And uh, this was done by a couple of surgeons 
It was Care and, and Rabot. They did this in 25 plus years of experience treating National Football League athletes coming off ACL. What they found, and I cite this in my Barkley article, is the factors that are independent predictors of returning to previous level of performance. In other words, practice players came back to be practice players, bench guys, bench guys, starters, starters. Age younger than 24, being an offensive player to begin with, and ostensibly, right? So in other words, a good offensive player, and then draft capital uh, between the rounds one to four. And obviously with all this, all of that comes ostensibly the higher, the better we're going to make that leap. I don't think that's a big leap. So you look at this freak of athlete nature, Saquon Barkley, you look at the fact that he had 10 and a half months to rehab for an, an ailment that typically takes nine to 10 months on top of the fact that the meniscus, everybody is perseverating about was a, a relatively minor procedure. In other words, they didn't have to take anything out or cut it up. They actually just sewed it up. And it's as simple as it sounds, relatively speaking, okay. right? So he still has to be non-weight bearing within the first six, eight weeks after the fact. But so that put him a little bit further back. But overall, everything we're seeing, the reports out of camp and the reports from the beats are that he's ahead of schedule. And like, if anything, the Giants are shooting themselves in the foot by not letting him sort of get back to where he needs to be. So all of that, Ian... I just spilled it out. That's coming from the heart. If Saquon Barkley falls to the 1.12, that is a gift from the upside gods. I just took him again, ironically, in a league with other rehab professionals. He fell to me at the 1.12. I took Saquon, turned around, took digs. I will let you have the floor back. This is your podcast. Oh, brother, you could have keep gone. That was music to my ears. Great stuff all around. The one thing I really want to highlight there, if you know people happen to miss it, because you you should just go listen to what Edwin said again. It was freaking fantastic. The one thing you said it, it was relatively non-complex, the injury that he went through. And you know that because you've done research about it. You've read other people's research about it. Everyone, I think when people see a torn ACL and they see like any other issue, they just assume that's now complex. So people, no, it's not this super complex thing. We're good. So yeah. And the and the other good point you made, I thought, was that it's not saying that there isn't any risk. I, I have moved Saquon down. He was my 103 before any of this became an issue. Now he is my RB6. Like I'm not pounding on the door, you know, telling you guys to all take him in the top five. But yeah, at the bottom of the first round, man, sign me the hell up. Because the problems that people then go to is like, oh, who do we want be in this Giants offense behind that O-line and stuff? Like, what do we think? How do we think James Robinson did so damn good last year? Was it because he's just this generational sensation? No, he had the third most touches in the league before he got hurt. A workload that Saquon will push for again if he's healthy. So great stuff all around and people, please. If you want to take someone in place of Saquon, okay, but just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Let's go. I really for the hope- love of God, please don't take Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb before you take Saquon Barkley, especially in PPR, right? I mean, unless you disagree, Ian. Uh, Aaron Jones is the only one I think there's an argument for. Those guys uh, yeah, agreed. 100%. Yeah. I'm on board there. 100%. All right, Evan, we got some other guys here that, you know, Saquon rant, I wanted you to go for an extra 10 minutes if you had it. These guys, if you want to shorten up for us, just tell us the, you know, the uh, the good or bad, that is fine. So Carson Wentz just can't stay off the injured list. Now he's there with COVID. Obviously, this foot issue was a problem too. I guess I found it interesting that he had this foot injury with the long timetable that we were joking about earlier. And then he comes back and they were just like, oh yeah, he looked good. Like we're good to go. Wentz, the only reason he was a somewhat acceptable streamer for parts last year was because of his rushing ability. Like, assuming he gets off the COVID list before week one, could we see like a limited Carson Wentz early in this year? Because that could be horrific. 
you know, I, it's really hard to know until he gets out there, but the fact that he was already going to practice this week lets me know that he's probably okay. Now this was, we talk about relatively minor procedures, right? There's no such thing as a minor surgery ever, but if you put things on a scale, just like everything we talked about before, this was a relatively minor procedure. It sounds like he had just a literal piece of bone hanging off his fifth metatarsal. They went in there, they either shaved it off or plucked it. They sewed it up, they clean it up. They gave it a kiss, you know, put a bandaid on it, had some milk for, for, for dinner that night. Nice warm chocolate milk. He's probably going to be okay. He's probably going to be fine from like a mobility standpoint. Now, obviously I can't say that with confidence, but I don't think they would rush him back from these timelines. The reason this timeline is so wide is because it could have been one of those scenarios that I mentioned earlier where the surgeon gets in there and is like, oh shit, this is worse than we thought. Because MRI doesn't pick up everything, but it wasn't. It sounds like it was the opposite. It sounds like it was, it was less severe than they had anticipated. So that five week timeline is actually probably turned into like five to eight. And he was on track for that. So it's not super uncommon to see that in relatively minor procedures. Um, I will say I'm cautiously optimistic from a mobility standpoint. He's going to be okay. I'm not as concerned about Carson Wentz's mobility. Good news with Tevi on IR and Kelly and a couple of the other guys on the COVID list. Your boy swag. <laughs> do you share the, uh, do you share the same sentiment about Quentin Nelson? From my understanding, he suffered a very similar injury. You know, I actually wonder Quentin Nelson, how he's going to respond specifically because of the, his functional tasks. Like for Wentz, he doesn't have to plant and bend his ankle into what's called dorsiflexion every time, every play, you know, for two or three hours at a time. And so that could, that could sort of cause issues down the road. If he does, if, if Nelson doesn't allow that to heal, like stepping back into pass protection, having another 300 pound dude and, you know, land on your foot. So I'm a little more, I would be a little more cautious if I were the Colts. Uh, in terms of managing his loads, but he's not, where's where he at at this point? Cause honestly, I haven't kept up enough with him. I think he's come back fine. I think he, he could be on the, co they have like three. I thought he was on the COVID list too, the, right? Right. They have be. like three linemen on the list right now. It's, it's yeah. bonkers. It's, if actually, anything, it's actually Ryan Kelly, as much as I love my guy swag. <laughs> center Ryan Kelly's on it. No team will sign swag Kelly, but that's okay. Continue. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say that I, I wouldn't be too concerned necessarily. It could be something that crops up for Nelson down the road, but I mean, if he's out there, he's out there. It sounds it's kind of ironic that they both had the, the same foot issue, but here we are. It was funny when I had a uh, Kevin Bowen, fantastic uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, beat writer on the podcast for a 32 for 32 series. I brought up like swag Kelly and he just kind of started laughing. I was like, what? And he's like, <laughs> Every SEC fan just always wants to ask about uh, Jack Kelly. So aren't you Ohio State? You're not even an SEC fan. I just have a soft spot for some of these like guys like Johnny Menzel. Like I don't. Like is Swag Kelly a knucklehead and has he done some really dumb things? Sure. Has he actually hurt anyone? No. And I feel like people have this weird vendetta against him. Like, okay, he pat he got way too hammered and walked into some random person's house. Like Tom Brady did that in Tampa and we all had a good laugh about yeah, it. Yeah, no, dude, it definitely depends on it. Definitely depends on who you are when it comes to stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. So I, you know, it's that's I think we should have two groups of like off the field issues, man. Give me like the true pieces of shit in one, and then give me the guys that took PEDs. Or or, you know, just went out and party too much in another for sure. Maybe, maybe three groups. We'll see what happens down the road. Clyde Edwards, Alaire managed to return to a full practice a week ago. And then we got some good, you know, good news for him that Darwin Thompson was released seemingly as a boost of confidence that CEH will be good to go for week one. Are you at all concerned about lingering issues from this ankle issue? No, because Andy Reid came out and said it wasn't a high ankle. And then I think Schefter reported it wasn't a high ankle. 
uh, just you can get banged up without it having a specific diagnosis and specific structures involved. And that's probably what happened with CEH. So I wouldn't be too concerned with, with his ankle injury whatsoever. Uh, I won't, I won't belabor the point. That's I'm not worried. Fantastic. He remains in my top 14 backs. I'm okay. Taking uh, him in round three. I probably still will, would prefer Waller Kittle. I'm usually getting the anchor man. I'm going dope wide receiver tight end and then bunch more wide receivers. But I think Clyde fits that bill. If you go Kelsey, you know, like Kelsey, uh, maybe a dope wide receiver and Clyde. I think that's a great start uh, for your draft. Irv Smith. Unfortunately, like the late round tight ends have been dropping like flies throughout this preseason. He's got a meniscus injury that will require surgery. Uh, electric moment on the Wednesday edition of this podcast. I found out Chris Herndon got traded to Minnesota uh, live recording. But that aside for a second, Irv Smith, when do you anticipate him being able to come back to action? And could you see him being limited once he gets back? So the less likely scenario is that this is a two to four week minor scope. Otherwise they wouldn't have specifically mentioned meniscus. Otherwise it could be two to four weeks. Uh, the next, next most likely scenario, since they said, you know, a chunk of time, I think it was Jesse Palmer reported this right chunk of time. This is likely going to be, um, uh, a repair where it's going to require six to eight weeks. Uh, if you think about the, I know we canceled him and he remains canceled Darius guys. Uh, he, he had this specific injury right before uh, I think it was another MCL after that, like it was nuts, but he had a, a, menis a meniscus issue and that took him about six to eight weeks to come back from, I think he came back like week eight. Mm -hmm. So I think this might be what it, what it looks like and what it is for Irv Smith. And you hate to see it because, you know, if, if he rehabs too quickly, if he tries to get back on the field too quickly, this can sort of, uh, if the tissue healing isn't allowed to, to, to take place and he can sort of re-aggravate it. And he is at a higher risk now to re-injure that specific, that specific structure, just because it's a weight bearing structure. It's the, basically like the brake pads between your, between your, your knee, your, your tibia and your, and your femur. So constantly running and pressing, compressing it could, you know, can cause some damage, especially if it's so fresh after surgery. So I'm hopeful that it's, you know, a minor issue, but it more than likely is a six to eight weeks. And another scenario that's possible if they get in there and it's bigger they could be season ending. Like this could be like a six month thing. So we don't know for sure. We're going to assume based on the specific wording of the, of the, of the reports that it's going to be a six to eight week thing. And he's just going to be volatile coming back, man. He's going to be volatile. And it's unfortunate. You hate to see that. You hate to see that with the young guys, but Irv Smith, dude, I'm pretty sure he's like 17 years old. Isn't he? He's like, he's like a child. Like I'm pretty sure I looked him up the other day. He was like 21 or something. It was crazy. He's right there with uh, a year older than Amari. He's 23 years old at this point <laughs> in time, which is absolutely bonkers. So, you know, everyone's evaluated the right place, but it sounds like aside from like, you know, a dart in the final two rounds or so, like you're not chasing Herb Smith right now. Like this could be like season ending. It's at least in the range of outcomes. Yes. Correct. Whew. Sheesh. Okay. Another late round. Some of you thought he was an early round tight end. I think I saw a tweet from you at some point where it took you a little while to come around on uh, Evan Ingram. And I was out on him, not even because I think he's bad necessarily, but when you bring Galladay, Tony yeah, yeah, yeah. and Rudolph in the same offense, I just thought he was going to have a hard time seeing the volume. Anyway, I believe he's dealing with a calf injury. We also got Kenny Galladay with a hamstring injury. What are your expectations for both these guys? And do you have any sort of a timeline in mind? So when we're talking about uh, specifically Evan Ingram, he suffered a calf injury and I'm kind of surprised that this is coming up because he had a calf injury last year and last year he, I, I don't remember if he ended up missing time for it I think he or played not. 
he played through it. So now it's recurring, which is super um, interesting. You don't see that very often. And so basically what you have with these calf injuries is a return to sport time that falls somewhere between like two and three weeks as I'm trying to pull up my own tweet history because I know I tweeted it out last year. Um, here it is. Yeah. So the mean return to time uh, to play was 20 for 27 players was about 17 days with a standard deviation of 14.6. So take the day that Evan Ingram was injured, tack on 17 days at least. And that's likely his return time. I don't remember the specific days, but yeah, that would put his week one availability in jeopardy for sure. And if they don't rehab it, then it could definitely come back to, to bite him. And Evan Ingram until last year was actually a dude who couldn't stay on the field. He had MCL issues. He had a concussion issue. He had the list Frank. So it was actually cool to see him play uh, and be available for all 16 games. And unfortunately now he's getting a soft tissue injury, which is, is not uncommon, but when it's him, you sort of, your ears perk up. 109 targets, 16 games. Like if you would have told anyone that Evan Ingram was getting that in 2020, he would have been like an easy top six pick at the position. Unfortunately, Clapper's going to clap. Just didn't quite work out. What about Kenny Galladay? Cause he's someone where I saw him going, you know, as like an upside wide receiver too, at least like, you know, close to the top 20 range. I was not in on him there, but as I see him starting to go like outside the top 30 in some of these drafts, I have been scooping him up. How about making a big mistake, Edwin, or will Galladay be back sooner rather than later? I don't think it's, you're making a huge mistake. I, I definitely look at Galladay in a very similar lens to the way that I look at Swift. Like there's managing Swift's workloads. This is a chronic issue. There's competition in the backfield for Swift. It is not a really sort of a, a messy situation. Then on top of the offense, you got Daniel Dimes, throwing interceptions, you know, on rookie mode and Madden, like he's just not the whole situation just sucks. Yeah. It's not surprising that they actually have bubble wrapped him. When dudes get soft tissue injuries, they get bubble wrapped in the preseason. That's that's common. So again, you do have the, the recurrence rate that you are concerned about. So if that's something that you're worried about, again, that's a tiebreaker, but when it comes to Galladay specifically, I think this would have been like a two to three week injury. Otherwise, cool. um, the real tell is going to be when the first injury reports come out next week. It's actually going to be a week from tomorrow. Everybody who's still LP on Wednesday. Okay. Take like check. They're still LP. If you get to Thursday and it's dudes like Swift and dudes like Galladay and dudes that we're worried about, and they're still LP, especially if they're DNP, that's when you start to worry, but I expect them to, to be back. I especially expect, um, Galladay to be back, but I'm not necessarily convinced on Ingram yet. It's a great point about the practice statuses. As someone that, you know, got my start in this industry doing a bunch of news, you learn pretty quick, like what injury statuses really matter and which ones are, hey, this guy is a veteran. Like, we're just not going to put him through a full practice on Wednesday. Nothing infuriated me more last season than Rotor World having to tell us every single Wednesday that A.J. Brown was not practicing. We get it guys now it turned out that he was dealing with some fairly serious injuries but at some point like we see these players juju smith schuster or someone i think it was limited every single wednesday throughout the year pay a little bit of attention to it and you'll realize that yes you know thursday if we don't see stuff getting back to normal that's when the red flag goes up hunter henry he's been another guy where we, we had the injury early and it didn't seem to be ridiculously serious and maybe it's a situation where they just said preseason bubble wrap we'll see what happens do you think the patriots have their boston te party ready to go <laughs> in week in week one by the way johnu johnu smith was the first one i saw come up with that name i gave him credit and patriots nation came at me and they said no that was gronk and hernandez back in the day piss off Yikes, i don't know so. why you'd want to claim that one. Oh well <laughs> <laughs>
Patriots fans are weird. Patriots fans are weird, man. Like there's some weird cats. Sorry, Patriots fans. We love you. You're just, some of you are weird. Um, all right, man. So here's the thing with Hunter Henry. We don't know specifically what happened. He's still not practicing, right? I didn't miss anything. I believe he's not. Okay. So we don't know. This was two weeks ago or so, two or three weeks. What I think happened, and this is again, speculation based on my history with you know observing athletes and knowing mechanisms of injury since Ooh, it was during a he shed his red non-contact jersey today oh okay so that's good that's a yeah. good thing all right Goodness. so that's good so what likely happened or what maybe happened with him is he was in a blocking drill he put his arms up tried to block uh, a lineman his arm got pushed backwards into the shoulder socket and it didn't necessarily dislocate but it might have damaged some of the tissues holding the shoulder in place it's as bad as it sounds. I'm actually treating a football player for that exact thing right now. And um, they they're brutal and they stick around and they're gruesome. If that's what happened, you don't necessarily worry for like anything catastrophic. If it was a relatively minor incident and it seems like it was, Um, but he might be struggling to get through, um, you know, over anything overhead, which is obviously important for tight end and anything blocking. So I don't know how much inline blocking they're going to use for him, but yeah, this does increase Hunter Henry's, volatility a little bit, especially if it's that the other issue uh, or potential thing would be uh, if he just landed on the tip of the shoulder in the middle of a, of a blocking drill, but I'm not entirely convinced that that's what happened. Um, the two or three weeks matches up with what you see with subluxation, dislocation injuries. Uh, he's already back. I don't, I don't think it's going to be something that holds him back too much, but I think it's enough that if you're choosing between Henry and, and Johnu, I'd probably lean Johnu just because you don't know what's going to happen with this at this point. And the Patriots are so mum on injuries. It's hard to know. I think that's a great call. Again, tiebreakers, people. Henry, Johnu, we've had him next to each other the whole time. Give the nod to Johnu. Elijah Moore. Oh, man. If you're like a fantasy analyst and you're not high on Elijah Moore, like, I don't know what you're doing. It's just a cool thing to do this summer. What all the cool kids are doing. Quad issue. We were getting all sorts of fluff about him and Zach Wilson balling out throughout training camp. And then we actually saw Zach Wilson start doing some of that in the preseason. Obviously, Corey Davis is beginning to hype. Edwin, could it be a blessing in disguise that Elijah was hurt because now we can still get him at a discount? Or do you think this injury is something we should continue to be concerned about? No, don't, don't be concerned. Don't Let's be go. worried. Let's yeah, go. It sounds like he just like landed wrong or some shit. You know, you could like have bad gas and, and in the NFL, you'll get an MRI. Like people will send you through a tube just to send you through a tube. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. It doesn't seem like it was major. He's back practice. Like it's a contact sport. People, people get hurt. People get banged up. They get nicked up. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Curtis Samuel, another guy with a groin injury. His ADP has been plummeting. I see some people starting to buy the value. You know, it is a tricky injury. I think you've kind of made that clear. Any feel for when Curtis might be back to his usual self? Curtis Samuel is an interesting case because he has been dealing with this since June. So really, you can put this into a couple of buckets. The first bucket is this was severe. And maybe they were trying to avoid surgery, but they didn't want to avoid surgery so that he would be able to come back um, sort of Deshaun Jackson, 2019 style. Okay. Uh, and he's, they're just taking taking their time with him now. That would worry me because you saw what happened with Deshaun Jackson. Like sometimes conservative treatment, I'm a physical therapist, right? I'm all about conservative treatment. Like, like I'm, I'm on the surgeon's team, but I'm also on the patient's team because patients come in and they're like, I just want to avoid surgery. I'm like, all right, great. Let's get you there. Yeah. Right. But like sometimes it's indicated and I don't know if that's the case with Curtis Samuel, uh, but you typically don't see somebody struggle through a groin injury. That's severe enough 
uh, to, to last this long if they don't have surgery. So yeah, this is definitely something I'm concerned about, but I think he's like 130 last time I looked overall or something. I don't know what, what data you're it's looking free at. free falling. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, there definitely is risk with him. We don't know at the end of the day, even if my logic is totally flawed, a dude who had a groin injury in June and is still struggling with a groin injury at the end of August. That's not something that I necessarily want to invest in. Even, even if it's like, you're swinging for upside. Like the floor is still really low. Just, just, just know that the floor is zero with him. The ceiling is the roof. Like, don't you say that or something? That, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. not. That's like the opposite. Like the opposite of that is with Curtis Samuel. I like it. The the floor is like the freaking six feet under or something yeah, going exactly. on there. Yeah, I mean, seeing we'll where he's going right now, <laughs> fantasy football calculator, wide receiver, 56, going ahead of guys like Rondale Moore, Brian Edwards, Terrace Marshall Jr., probably not wise people. We do not want to be messing with hey, can, can I say one thing, too? Yeah. Like, I don't understand the, like, James Conner. I, like, I know, I think Dwayne might have said that he was taking a little bit of James Conner. And, like, I, I, I get if you want to do that. I don't get it because you know what you're going to get with James Conner. Right. You're going to get if, if there's four yards there, he's going to get you four yards. Like if you need five yards, he's going to get you four yards. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like I know you've said, too, that he hasn't he's hasn't been trash, but like, you know what he is at this point. Yeah. He either can't stay on the field. And I am concerned with the connective tissue injuries. I don't know if he's on the script and I'm just sort of going off script. <laughs> Yo, you're good. Go off. <laughs> OK, so so you five. Out of the, I don't know if you knew this or if you've seen my tweet five out of the last six years, he's had a major connective tissue injury. He's coming off turf toe. That wasn't even football related this year. So he had an MCL surgery and the MCL requires surgery less than 5% of the time. That's not common. So like, I don't know what's going up with this dude's connective tissue, but he's constantly banged up. So again, we don't talk about like players being injury prone, but at some point it does become a pattern. Like if they're showing a pattern, then let's believe them. Like they're showing us a pattern at this point. We know what we're getting with him. I know last year he was going to play 13, uh, 16 games. You know, he was on track and then it got COVID. But like I said, there's no telling what the heck happened when, why he needed turf toe surgery after that. So I don't know, you know what you're going to get, you know, the floor is zero. You know that the floor is at least a handful of missed games. And you know that the upside is not there. In addition to chase Edmonds staying much healthier than, than, than Edmonds is like, I would much rather, I know this is usually reverse logic. I would much rather chase Edmonds in the sixth or seventh than James Conner in the like 10th or 11th, because there's just no, I don't see the upside with James Conner. Like you're hoping at that point, metaphorically, that Chase Edmonds gets injured. And I just tweeted about this today, like injury plausibilities versus injury probabilities. The probabilities between the two missing time is, is going to be James Conner missing time. Like that's, sorry, it took off. Go ahead. Oh, you're good, man. I just, I forgot about the turf toe issue this year because I was looking at last year and I was like, you know, he had COVID, he had to leave week one early, relatively healthy year for Connor. And, you know, I think more than anything, if people are taking him, it's more so at that spot. I think if he's your, you know, RB3 and an anchor RB build, it's not, I, you know, it's not ideal. I still want Jamal Williams, Kenyon Drake, guys like that more than Alexander Madison uh, for sure. So not ideal. I would say people are on him for the goal line role. Like despite having a scrambler like Kyler Murray under center, Kenyon Drake still had 20 carries inside the five yard line last year. Chase Edmonds has won his career. So people are chasing Connor. I think they're trying to chase that double digit uh, touchdown upside, but certainly uh, someone you shouldn't be, you know, overweighting that exposure on like I did with Saquon. Now, Mike Williams, you mentioned him earlier. He's been dealing with a hip injury. He actually came on the podcast. Awesome guy, you know, appreciate his time. And I asked him about that. I tried to like frame it in the nicest way possible. I was like, Mike, you make these great catches. 
you come down pretty hard sometimes, man. Uh, has anyone ever like uh, told you to like adjust that? He's like, oh yeah, all, all the time. My coaches, I've always told him that. And uh, he said that his thought process is like, well, you know, if you break your fall and you don't catch the ball, then like, what was the point anyway? I'm like, baller. That's why you're <laughs> Mike Williams and I'm Ian Hart. It's okay. Touche there. Uh, but anyway, he's got this hip right now. He's got a little bit on the radar in terms of injured guys. Uh, is this something we should be worrying about? Or do you think it's more of just uh, Hey, let's make sure he's ready to go by week one. It's hard to say because the, if, if, if he's dealing with like a hip flexor tendinopathy, which would be just irritation of the muscle, the massive muscle that runs from your hip down to your knee, mm-hmm. one of the quad muscles, then this could linger just a little bit. He hasn't necessarily had a history with these like soft tissue irritation injuries. Um, they probably did just bubble wrap them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of research on that because these are kind of interesting, weird injuries. Like it could either be contact or non-contact and you treat them totally differently. We don't really know what, what they mean when they say hip flexor. Um, at least I don't. So he was, what I would he was back at practice today for what it's worth. So it seems like it's doing better. Yeah, exactly. It, it seems like it might've been something that they just were managing him and managing his workload. So I wouldn't be too concerned if he's still on the, you know, LP list uh, on Thursday of next week, maybe raise your eyebrows a little bit, but no, I, I honestly, and, and Mike Williams going really late too. So I, I'm not too concerned. Honestly, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Yeah. And for those didn't see Tyron Johnson got waived, which was fantastic news for one Josh Palmer. So keep an eye on Mike Williams, but we might actually get that Palmer Williams, Keenan Allen through wide receiver rotation a little bit sooner than we thought. Palmer is not someone you need to prioritize maybe in those DFS streets though, if the price is right, Evan, you've been fantastic as always. Last question. This one was courtesy of my lovely usual co-host Dwayne McFarland, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Marvin Jones. They all have minor AC joint issues. Seemingly any reason we should worry about these guys. No, I wouldn't worry <laughs> about them. When did, when did TJ Hawkinson get injured? What happened there? I didn't know until Dwayne told me, I think he is a little bit banged up. See, I'm the injury guy. I'm supposed to like have all this, all this. I'm guessing it's not too bad. If uh, I'm catching you a little bit off guard with it. Yeah. I'm not even saying much. I think Dwayne's spending a little too much time in the, well, I think that people, (laughs) people are worried about, um, people are worried about Justin Jefferson, but so much time is going to be, is going to have passed between week one and when he had that AC joint sprain. And if they didn't undergo surgery for it and likely was stable, it was okay. Those typically take two to four weeks, five max. Mm -hmm. We saw Mike Williams who had an AC joint separation last off season ended up being fine in terms of the shoulder. So I wouldn't worry. The recurrence rate is, is, is fine. I wouldn't be too concerned when it comes to, to Justin Jefferson specifically. Okay. And we, I did look it up. So Dan Campbell said eight days ago, the Hawkinson suffered an injury to his AC joint, but he said that it's not, he said he will be okay already. So, you know, I'm not saying we need to take Dan Campbell at his word, but as you brought up, like, you know, if he's saying Deandre Swift might not be ready, I'm almost willing to give him a little bit more credence for when he says a guy is good. Sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. Again, I wouldn't be concerned yet. Like there's so much talk, man like so much injury talk goes on and like coaches say stuff, the media interprets it different ways. Like we get on podcasts and talk shit like this. Like there's a lot of times like 90, what I've learned and I haven't been doing this that long, right? Like two years. What I've learned is that like 98% of the stuff we talk about in the off season ends up just not just out the window. Like it doesn't matter. And the 2% like, and then 1%, the only person who knew it was happening is Sigmund Bloom. And, and, and the other, like the other 1% was totally unpredictable. So like a lot of times, none of this shit matters in the preseason. 
Sig is a goat. But yeah, man, it's so true. Like I remember all the Twitter arguments, Cam Akers versus Jonathan Taylor. Doesn't matter. Worrying about Alvin <laughs> Kamara without Drew Brees. Oh, Michael Thomas gets hurt. Now it doesn't matter. Uh, amazing. Evelyn, people can find you on Twitter at FB Injury Doc. You host the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Pod. I was honored to be a guest on an occasion. I know you're doing great things over there. Fancy points. You, Graham Barfield, um, Scott Barrett, we got a freaking loaded crew over there. I know I'm even forgetting some of your goats you got, uh, you know, hired on there too. Heavy hitters, man. Heavy hitters all around. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Let the people know. Yeah, I I do. You know what I do? I want to give them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to tag, you're going to tag at iHeartits and you're going to tag PFF Lily and you're going to grade this team. I'm going to give Ian's from the injury prone invitational, his presumed starters. It's a super flex league, single tight end PPR league, right? He's going to start Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. He's going to start Alvin Kamara and either Chase Edmonds or Jamal Williams, a running back. He's going to start Keenan Allen. And let's see who else you got. Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson. I think those are going to be your starters. You got Will Fuller. You, You sniped Will Fuller for me in that round. I think we're like two picks apart. You sniped the shit out of me, man. And I was so mad for a while. Um, you got Dusty AJ Green for some reason. That might have been a misclick. Yeah, um, and then you wrong. got Chris Herndon. Of course you do. You have Chris Herndon. He was my last yeah, pick. I, I get it for the bit. <laughs> Blake Jarwin and Robert Tunyon. All right. So you're going to tag yeah. I Heart It's and you're going to tag at FB Injury Doc and you're going to give him a grade. And um, I want to know what you guys think of Ian's team. This He's, put, he's putting his money where his mouth is. So let me know what you think of his team. I, I had to do that. I think that, no. Great stuff, man. I, I love that league. That was uh, that was good on you putting it together. I say send out the whole board and let the folks uh, pick who the Maybe we might do that. We might do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you can send. Uh, you know, we got the chat going. See, see if everyone's cool with that. I know Ray and some people that don't have the loaded <laughs> squad that I do. Ray's but, still uh, on the clock. Ray's still on the clock right now with like forty five minutes left. Unreal. I think. Yeah, unreal. unreal. Sorry. Continue. Continue. Fantastic stuff, Edwin. Again, people, at FB Injury Doc, Injury Prone, Fantasy Football Pod. And I also just wanted to say, people, fantasy football season is here. And, you know, I have these articles go out. A lot of them are behind a paywall, and people say, I'm not paying for this shit. What are you doing? I get it. You don't want to. But, people, there are expensive subscriptions. And then there's PFF, where for just $7 using code KICKOFF30, you get the draft guide, the rankings, the projections, the locked articles, cheat sheets, and more. Promo code KICKOFF30 for 30% any PFF sub. And also want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Fantrax. Guy, I love Fantrax. They're free fantasy football league managers, the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. We're playing, we're gearing up to play our leagues on Fantrax this season. To come from another site is no problem. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues completely free. Create a free account now using promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. Get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league. Plus six grand. I've been saying, I think you got to go to Vegas with that. Just bet all the money on the game and you'll double it probably. Like that's what gambling does half the time. That's promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. Thank you all for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back with plenty more when the season starts. Hope you enjoyed this episode. He's Edwin. I'm Ian. Until next time, take care of everybody. 